Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another exciting edition of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills preview podcast, here from the Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois. Well, there's a certain feeling in the air, a little more optimism this time around, and it's been about three years since we've recorded a podcast like this, which can only mean one thing. There's a new coach, uh, probably soon to be a new GM, and actually a new CEO of the Buffalo Bills. Changes in the air, a lot has happened since the last time we spoke. I'm Lars. Joining me tonight, the always exciting and now gainfully employed Billy the Kid Nichols. Hey, hey, hey. And, of course, uh, to my immediate right, the lovely Miss Cassie Ozark. Hello. Who's wearing Bill's gear tonight, by the way, which I, I didn't notice until just now. Uh, we are Sons Jam and Jeff Day uh, again. I, I think I think it's safe to say that his uh, presence on our podcast moving forward will, will for here on, be an anomaly. Uh, he is now officially out of the Chicago scene, so to hell with him. Uh, we are now recording in what I do believe is the sixth venue that we've recorded a Bills and Beers podcast, starting from Big Blue for the very first episode, my old place on Roscoe Street, my place on Oakdale Street, Cassie's once, Bills before. Jeff's in Northwestern. Jeff's at Northwestern we recorded at. DePaul. DePaul we recorded at. And did I count this place? So this this might actually be the eighth venue for a Bills and Beers podcast. And this September we'll be starting our fifth season. We recorded one at my Montana, or at my uh, Waveland place, too. You are correct. So that brings us all the way to nine. If you've been with us since the beginning, we thank you. You can find us online at billsandbeers.com. That'll take you right to our Facebook page. Great way to stay in touch with us. You can also Twitter us. We tweet every once in a while. I think I sent you guys my latest uh, pissing match with Tim Graham of the Buffalo News. That guy's a joke. No, he really is. Okay. <laughs> and I'm gonna, so he, and I will say this on our podcast, I don't care. He, Do you know how easy it is to get a job, by the way? Like, to, like a starting uh, job to... Uh, uh, write basically any for any NFL team. Well, mine. You basically, I mean, they'll pay you twenty five, you know, twenty five dollars a post or something right. like that. Yes, and anyone can do it without any knowledge of, you know, oh yes, I am a fan of the Atlanta Falcons. So I found out about this on Craigslist. Will you please pay me $25? And, and Tim Graham comes to the Buffalo News from ESPN.com, where he was the AFC East blogger. And he has since been replaced by James Walker, who I don't know if you have ever read the dribble that this guy writes, but he is horrendous. He has absolutely no idea what's going on with the Bills. And it, and he's a terrible writer. So how he got a job, I don't know. But Tim Graham is notorious for throwing a little bit of an online hissy fit when he was on one of the message boards answering questions. And, like, as he does even on Twitter, when, like, one person asks him a follow-up question or in any way, shape, or form insinuates that he might be a little bit off base with what he's talking about, he just, like, takes his ball and goes home. And I, I showed you the... The exchange we had. So, long story short, you can tweet us at Bills and Beers. Um, and if you don't already, subscribe to this podcast. So, as we said at the top of the episode, changes in the air. There is much to discuss. And you're listening to this. It's the night before the draft, Wednesday. It's Tuesday now, but you're probably getting this on Wednesday or even day of the draft. So, there is much, much excitement in Bills Nation. And we've got a lot to talk about. <laughs> Bills make me wanna Shout!
I'm going to set this up, then I'm going to hand it off because you've already heard a lot of my voice today. One of my best experiences to round out 2012 was driving back to Chicago from Erie because it was the day that the Bills had parted ways with Chan Gailey. It was uh, December 31st, 2012, the final day of 2012. And it kind of was a indication that change was on its way. Uh, but Gailey and his entire staff, every coordinator, every assistant, out the door, uh, that's how we kicked off the new year. Uh, we haven't got a chance to talk about it a whole lot, so Cass, let's start with you and let's talk about what you were feeling the day that Chan Gailey was shown ye old door. You know, I remember it was very, I mean, of course I was excited. Um, it was needed to happen, so, you know, I wasn't surprised at all. Um, to tell you the truth, I wasn't really that optimistic that things are going to change. I think we needed a lot more than getting rid of our coach, and I think we're making progress. Um, so it was good. I'm glad to see the old goat go. You know, the grandpa on the sidelines wearing his glasses, about to tuck me into bed. Um, you know, calm guy on the sidelines. But I was very excited. I still am. I'm just not. I'm not. We're not winning the Super Bowl this year, you guys. Ooh, well, I, I, we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, so I was on my way to uh, Toronto, so uh, making a little international trip from over the border, and uh, I just remember, like, hmm, do I get data here? I don't know, because it's Verizon, you know, it's like, I don't know my phone. Let, let me interject. Did I mention that that was, I was able to stream WGR's coverage through my iPhone, and that's that's why it made the trip so good, because I got to listen to it the whole time. Hmm. Interesting. So I was all I know is I was refreshing my phone because I like, uh, I, I wanted to know, but and I, I felt like something was coming. You know what I mean? Just with like the, the previous days and the yeah. reports that were coming out and everything. But I was like, okay, man. Well, I don't know if I'm going to get charged for this. I ended up like getting charged for data, but I had to, <laughs> so I had to call Verizon <laughs> afterward. Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. I didn't realize. I thought I had uh, you know went to my options and turned the blah blah. blah. Oh, and uh, thank you, Shanishwa. Uh, I'm I'm so happy that you uh, you're having a great day. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh yes. Oh, oh oh wait, you can't do that. Oh um, please, really? Uh, I've been I've been a customer for four years now um i would really appreciate it i understand that this is i'm happy to talk to okay okay that that's great that's great mr nichols uh we've we've taken care of that and uh we'll go ahead and uh, give really? you forty dollars off yep nice yeah job well done uh, thank you very much i enjoy doing that by the way <laughs> and you know what i do bill um i because i have on a few occasions had to talk to the supervisor about really bad customer service yeah probably like two or three times so to offset that I make it a point to talk to um, supervisors when I have exceptional customer service. Mm, that's good. Do you ever do that? It feels really good, too. Because, like, when somebody's giving you exceptional customer service, you get the, oh, well, thank you very much, Mr. Weebor. Have you anything else I can do for you today? And you're like, okay, you've been super friendly. And then you give them the, like, can I speak to your supervisor real quick? And they give you the, oh, sure, right away. And, like, you know that, like... <laughs> A chill kind of runs down their spine. So you always give them, like, the, look, like, you've been super helpful. I just want you to know, like, I don't know if you guys get a certificate or if you get, like, a $25 gift card. Like, I don't know what it is you get from this, but, like, I just want your supervisor to know you did good work. And they're always, like, the most grateful people in the world. And the supervisors are also very grateful, too. So I give uh, plenty of positive praise, I would say, in everyday life. 
to others that I am tapped out from, from a form of positive praise. So no, Lars, I do not do that. Fair enough. So as I'm driving across the state, and of course there's you know speculation. What do I feel? What do I feel about? Uh, oh, I don't know. I don't know. You 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 use the opportunity to tell us about your experience at Verizon. That was my Verizon. That was my opportunity. Here's my opportunity. Is this my opportunity? Yes, please. Okay, I gained my opportunity. I regained my opportunity in your eyes. Yes. However, I was so excited when that <laughs> happened because okay, well, are we not quite talking about Doug Marone getting hired we'll yet? Get there in a second. All right. I was so excited. I mean, he, he was doing nothing for our organization. It was just like a, a, a lame duck. I mean, if we had kept him for what everyone was saying, continuity, mm-hmm. continuity, what, what con- continuity? Like You know what continuity would have been? Bad, being a bad football team. That would have been another year of fits. Sure. Well, yeah, another, another year of fits. Another year of, I, I think the, listen, throughout that whole season, I did not like Chang Gailey. However... What really started to run me the wrong way and just what, what put me over the edge was his refusal. Starting game, like, you know, I mean, the, the whole season, but it was like, you know, game seven or eight, when, when people started to realize, I think what a lot of us were realizing, like, why is he not giving C.J. Spiller more yeah. touches? Mm-hmm. Dude, okay, he had a couple of those, like, ridiculous games yeah. where every time, okay, we were a bad football team, so you get the ball in the hands of the one player – who is going to be able to make a difference, right? And it's the difference between a 20-yard run, which was awesome, and a 60-yard run that maybe would have happened one out of every 10 times, but it was a touchdown and our team otherwise scored a field goal or fumbled, you know. Uh, which, by the way, Fred Jackson did do an awful lot of last year. Right. So that that's that's when it really started. There, there were, I, don't remember, I don't remember the specific examples in the games, but where – well, Chan, he, was, like, he would he would get on the microphone and say it was Fred's turn, right. as if this is some sort of like youth football where like everybody gets equal playing time. And the other thing that he would say is he would say, "Well, you know, uh, well, we can't we can't give him that many touches because he gets tired because he can't handle it." Well, fine. You show me the proof of that yeah. by like giving yeah. him thirty touches a game. You let me see in a game time answer. If he, is he tired in practice? Is he tired in the game? Like you know, it doesn't. Or is he? Do you think he's tired in the game? It doesn't matter. Like you give him the ball thirty times and let us see him like decline in his abilities, and then you can say that he gets tired in the game. Otherwise, sorry, you give him the ball. Now, I'm going to say something here that I say all the time in this podcast, but I've never actually done, and that is I'd like to go back and check the tape on what I'm about to say because I'm pretty sure I've been consistent with this. But our, as our record? Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm definitely, this is 14 and 2 a year. I mean, so, um, uh, I, as, as, Shane Gailey got every last ounce of production and talent that one could ever dream of getting out of Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I firmly believe that. I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick could do as well anywhere else. Okay. Ryan Fitzpatrick has a limited skill set, but what skills he did have, Chan Gailey was able to maximize and get more production out of him than I think any other coach could possibly do. That said, our offense last year, not the problem. And Chan Gailey, as, as that was his department, when we let him go, I, I, I couldn't help but think, well, that's great, but having watched – Four years of 
unwatchable football between Mike Malarkey and then Dick Jaron because our offenses were so bad. I, I can say for certain that even a mediocre defense would have gotten us there, uh, or at least would have kept us competitive or put us in the playoff hunt or something. So I'm going to say, and this is where I want to check the tape on because I don't think I was ever really, really confident in the hiring other than the fact that he was George Edwards or excuse me, that he wasn't George Edwards. Um, I don't think anybody caused more problems for this Buffalo Bills team last year than Dave Wanstad. And as much as it was great letting Chan Gailey go, I think if, if once I put him so far out of my memory by this point that I, I, I've, I've forgotten about him. But you're right. So my whole thing is, like, it was great that we got rid of Gailey, but if they would have kept Gailey and, oh my God. and just lost Wanstad, I think I could have lived with that. But... We didn't. Uh, and so let's talk about the guy we do have in town. And Cassie, I want to address something that you said and something that I've been thinking about. And I think you made an absolutely valid point. And Bill Simmons, I think, actually did a study on this that, like, the odds of a Super Bowl winning coach being older than, like, 55 with the exception of Tom Coughlin, like, it falls off a cliff real fast. And Dick Duran wasn't the most, most youthful guy he wasn't that old either but chan gailey holy cow i mean you want to talk about a guy who like might be good at drawing up x's and o's but i i I can't imagine him in a million years being able to connect with the the 22 year old black dudes who are coming out of southern colleges like i just don't see how that could ever happen so my whole thing was like i want a coach that's somewhere in the ballpark of 45 years old i want a guy with a lot of energy and i want a guy who i think can relate to our younger players and while it you know, obviously, every, all the realists out there, all all of the you know the the fans who really have a true perspective, will tell you we know nothing until we know something, and we don't know anything until you know eight weeks into the season. Um, I have a really good feeling about this Doug Marone guy. I I, I don't. I, I'm not going to say <laughs> I I don't have a good feeling. I just I mean, guys, how many new coaches have we seen together? Okay, well, let me, okay. This, this one's different. Okay, this one's different. But, okay, in that car ride, it was all about Gailey, but it was also speculation on the other coaches that were available. So here, let's let's not talk about Doug Marone in a vacuum. Let's talk about him compared to the other coaches it could have been. Now, there were a lot of people in Bill's Nation who were calling for Lovey Smith. Now, as residents of Chicago, would you not have put your head through a wall if it would have been Lovey Smith? I mean, God, you want to talk about going from boring to boringer. I mean, that would have been terrible. It would have been horrible. Horrible. Andy Reid. No. No. I mean, he's kind of a scumbag. Like, he, you know, he did, had a good thing going in Philly. I just don't see a guy his age being able to resurrect a career elsewhere. Not, especially what he's been through with his son. And, exactly. Yeah. And then Chip Kelly was another one that a lot of people were throwing out. And then, of course, there's other guys like the, uh, you know, the, the Horton, the guy who was the defensive coordinator for the Cardinals. Like, all these other guys. So, like, you kind of look at this pool of coaching candidates, and with the exception of Chip Kelly – Nobody else would have, in my opinion, that at least was getting mentioned. Oh, Ken Wisenhunt, who was the first person we interviewed. If oh, if man. if it would have been Ken Wisenhunt, I may have actually just turned in all my Bills gears and said, "To hell with it! I got better things to do on a Sunday for seventeen weeks out of the year." I would have. It would have been one of those scenarios where, like, you have to try to find, you know, the Kool Aid to drink as opposed to it being, you know, visible sort of right. Like, you, we would have had to try to find all those positive attributes. Which, we, 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 that was the math we were doing with Gailey. It was like, oh, Bill Cowher likes him. Right. You yeah. Know, oh, he's an offensive mastermind. Right. And he turned out to be that, exactly that. He just couldn't hire a defensive coordinator I, to save his life. I will say, and, and maybe leading into to Thursday, 
I'm, th- that will be maybe the true test at, with this dude. So, I mean, we better not. I'm sorry, but we better not draft that freaking quarterback out of Syracuse. Okay, we'll get to that in a second. Okay, hold on. Okay, but let's let's talk about Doug Marone. Okay, I love I love Doug Marone. I love Doug. I, I love Doug Marone's lisp. Okay. Dude, our faces right now, by the way, like, we have the same smile on our faces, like, talking. I love his visor. I love that he wears his visor backwards and then actually gives the snaps during one. Okay. His, my first intro to Doug Marone was I just, you know, did a Google search, and this was, you know, when he, either when we were talking about hiring him or when he got hired, and I remember watching uh, a YouTube video of him giving a speech at Syracuse, and it was... Um, talking about how he was going to turn the program around, and it was mm-hmm. it was interesting is that it was on a it was on a basketball court, and it was carrier like dome. in the Carrier Dome, and you know it was a school that you know it's like who is the who is this guy right? Is what everyone's thinking there, right? And especially how bad the football hey, program was. Oh, you know I'm you know I'm uh, you know an alumnus myself, and yada yada, and but like he gave it was just a very you, you you knew that the guy had personality, but he let it come through in his. It wasn't like a rah rah like fake speech. It was it was a genuine. Uh, you could just tell the guy's a, a leader, and that he wasn't a wasn't going to be someone that had a bunch of BS and just fed it fed it at people. And then once I got down the rabbit hole, continued to learn about like what he did with like the players there and how. He made them, uh, you know, dress up for uh, uh, um, interviews or on game days, you know, whatever, with the suit and tie. Um, or he, had, he required some, you know, dress code. He put their uh, faces on um, the – if a player uh, missed class or skipped class, he would, as a form of embarrassment, call them out. He would put uh, the pictures of them up in the, in the uh, locker room uh, or the uh, workout room just to, like, call attention to the fact that, like, dude, no, like, you shouldn't be skipping class. I mean, things like that, that you just sort of, this guy's got a bit of swagger about him, right? Like, he doesn't give a shit about, like, what you think or you think that's lame that he does that. He does that because he's the coach and, like, he's calling the shots and, like, you either want to be on his team or you don't. And, uh, like half of the players, I guess on the, not half of the players, but a decent amount of the players that were some of them, some of whom were good prospects, uh, on that, uh, football team, they ended up, uh, you know, leaving because they were like, you know, I don't like this guy or this guy, you, you know, I don't, I don't whatever. And Doug Marone's like, fine, like go, like, I don't want you to, I don't want you on my team. And that's the exact kind of thing that we haven't had is, Something we've you know kept players just to keep players because they fit some like system. It's just as Chris Kelsey, this hodgepodge of players for 15 years now, and it's like finally there's like an identity that is Doug Marone. And I don't and Who, do you guys know and and, and maybe because I'm bringing it up, but the I feel like it was I think it was the first player that was not or asked to leave or removed from the Bills after he was hired. Who was the what? Who was the first player? So bad news, Bills fans. We lost about five to six minutes of great talk about Mike Pettin, all the players we cut, including Ryan Fitzpatrick, Donald Jones, David Nelson, it was, Chris. It was, it was award-winning. Yeah, it was award-winning pod. I had an epic laughing moment where yes. I cracked you guys up. Yeah, Ch- really Cassie good. made us laugh. Uh, unfortunately, it's gone. We'll never, ever be heard. Uh, but now we're going to use this opportunity to talk about the new players to it's expect. It's, 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 yeah, well, no, it's, it's, it's gone. I don't know if I <laughs> – I must have bumped something. Uh, Damn you, Amazon. <laughs> 
I'm not addressing Carlos Dansby. I'm addressing the NFL draft, which is top three moment in Buffalo Bills uh, season, which is calendar the calendar season, which is all all year. I mean, it is the high point of optimism, where we have the selection of the next quarterback to bring <laughs> if, if, only, if only this recorder can record Cassie's facial expression because <clears throat> so you know that face you make after you just spent 10 minutes on yeah, the toilet after yeah. severe food poisoning uh, so so this Thursday night we've got the draft and we all know we have uh, we could have four teams drafts and probably still have trouble competing for the Super Bowl. Okay? Okay. And that's a tr- that's a true statement. That's that's fair. That's very fair. But uh, we are in reality and that is the reality of Buffalo Bills football and we have to make a a, a selection. Right. And the needs that we have, we'll, we'll just run through them real quick. Top 3 needs. Quarterback. Yeah. Well, no, Kevin Cobb's on our roster. Kevin Cobb's on our roster. But, well, well, okay, here's the thing. He's okay. Which I totally forgot. We signed him. Like, don't even care. Oh, let, let me just come back to him because I, I know our Fitz talk got erased. Because he's completely a lateral move from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think, at the end of the day got cut because it was a money situation. And it made no sense to keep him at the price tag we had him at. So, instead, we signed the equivalent at the amount of money we wanted to sign or restructure Ryan Fitzpatrick at. And I, I steadfastly believe that. And I also don't think that Ryan or excuse me, Kevin Cobb is even remotely an improvement over Ryan Fitzpatrick. No, but Kevin Cobb will be a better teacher for Ryan Nassib than Tavares Jackson will be. <laughs> yeah, he might not be better than Fitzpatrick, but okay, fine. We're, I, it's a lateral move that had to happen, but let's not pretend it's anything but a lateral move. There is a 100% chance that we pick Ryan Nassib <laughs> in this draft. Really? Yes. Do, are you with, are, you, with the eighth pick? With, with the, the eighth, eighth pick, pick. With the eighth pick, we just go straight up pick them. So, a uh, bit of intel that I came across. Uh, it's not that it might be more widely known by now. Apparently, there is a bit of a power struggle right now between Marone and Knicks. That Marone wants to take Nassib. Can't blame him. He knows. He knows Hackett's offense. He knows. He, Marone knows what he's getting from this guy. They already have a relationship. It makes sense. And Cassie, I hear you. If he didn't put so much air under his deep ball, I would have no problem with Ryan Nassib. But he got to, he's got to figure out how to fix that. Uh, apparently, though... We're going to become University of... of uh, Syracuse? Syracuse. Close enough. You think too many... Uh, Close enough. Um, colors are becoming orange, blue, and red. Um, apparently, though, Nix has his guy... Um, and I don't know if you guys would be too thrilled if I told you who Nick's guy is that he's fighting for. Can you guess? Uh, well, it's not Barkley, no. is what you're saying. Okay, so it's the guy out of uh, Arkansas? No. Tyler like Smith? Cornerback or whatever? No. no Tyler, no. no it's, oh, it's a quarterback. quarterback. It's a quarterback. Oh, it's a quarterback. There's, there's a power struggle right now between the quarterback Marone wants and the quarterback Nick, Nick's wants. Move on and get the guy Geno Smith? Or? It's not Geno Smith. It's Landry Jones. 
Wow, well, that would be a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, not we good. Pick, we're going to pick two quarterbacks. So, okay, but <laughs> I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility either. Um, but let me ask you guys this. Do you get the sneaking suspicion that Nix is on his way out? That no, they've already. It's already public. He's he's he is on his way out. There, there's a, was this reported on? Has this been reported? Because people have been talking about this like it's a like it's a done deal. Yes. Well, think about it. In this off season, they've already integrated Doug Whaley into like the media, right? Like he has done interviews. Mm-hmm. Like what was he doing before? He was always the guy behind the. Scenes. So this, but this, this, this uh, it's public. It's, it's public. There is no specific timetable. I'm saying the Monday after the draft, Nix is gone. Why wait until I don't time? know because just like with Modrak, because this was his his year of scouting and he was the one overseeing the personnel development. So like, well, just let him ride through the draft. Doesn't matter. Why does it matter? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to you. Like, what? Well, well, it matters to me because he's the one picking our future quarterback, and if he's got one foot yeah, out the door, yeah, no, then he's. It's different than if he's the figurehead or if he's really the one picking the quarterback. And, I, and we're both speculating, right? But if he's the if he's on his way out. What does it matter if he is, you know, he could still be on his way out in August. Right. Okay. But from a PR standpoint, we don't want to. And and as I'm saying those words, working in PR myself, the the bills would be, they wouldn't fire him on a Monday because that looks bad for him. If she has made it through uh, this far of his podcast, we should thank uh, our newest listener, Mary Owen, uh, with the Buffalo Bills. Is she a listener? Uh, She is... Uh, she might be listening. It's on her radar. It's on it's her on, radar. It is officially on her radar. So, Did Mary, if you are listening, we appreciate it. If you need to, if you need trust to be built before you listen any further, happy to build that trust with you at some point thereafter. Okay. Well, well let's. Okay, we're going to get back to our future quarterback in a second. You also said via email yesterday that you have some intel from Ralph. Is this, uh, does this come? We're not, but we can't put that in there. Okay. Yeah. All right. That'll be that'll be for my eyes only. Uh, ears. So, Ryan Nassim. A little bit. I can give a little bit. Well, no, no, let's get back on point. We're going to take a quarterback. Uh, speculation abounds that we're going to trade a trade picks. Blah blah blah. As I was thinking about it today, I don't know if there's really any value in that. I, I I honestly don't know if a team can truly walk away from the draft saying like, "Thank God we moved up because our team is going to be significantly better having gotten that guy at nine versus this guy at sixteen. You, you know, the exceptions being when. You know, the Jets mortgage their future to take Mark Sanchez or when the Falcons do the same thing to get Julio Jones. Like, unless you're moving up 20 spots, does it really matter? Plus, none of these guys are trying to save – like, it's not like Buddy Nix is trying to save his job. So he wants to, like, stockpile picks so that we can say that we had this great draft and the two guys in the first round and two right. guys in the second round, whatever. So, But we, it's such a weak – Weak draft. I mean, after last year, and, and I'm saying every single position. The, 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 the pundits are but saying. But if Russell Wilson, but if, if if what you had this year was you know, Russell Wilson, who, who by the way, I was saying we should have taken him instead of TJ Graham. You know, along, like I looking at that guy's resume, I was like, this guy's gonna be a great quarterback. What's everybody talking but about? But it's just He's like short. you know, but projected yeah. all of the all of this. It's like every year we come up against it, like they're. But if you're able to, you've got these players. All these players have talent, right? Right. Yeah. And I think that's what comes down to me, my preference of taking Nassib because all of all of these guys have talent, and it's it's well, it's familiarity with a system, but it's also a level of confidence 
and trust that you have in this new place, right? You're all of a sudden well, wait, you're surrounded by. Let, uh, let, let me let me interject there. So interject at the beautiful point I was going to make. But Fitz lacks some serious talent. Okay, so one could argue like guys do make it through the draft without that much talent, right? Fitz, however, was a seventh round pick, and we're talking about guys who are for the most part first and second round prospects, which Fitz was not. So, do you think, from a talent standpoint, regardless of who we draft, they will be more talented and more capable? And I always said about Fitz, great passer, terrible thrower, will be a better quarterback than Ryan Fitzpatrick. He'll be a younger quarterback, you guys. I mean, Fitz wasn't wasn't a spring chicken, so I think even getting some youth. He's younger than both of you guys. Mm. Oh yes. Younger than Bill? I'm an old fart, so. I th- I, he's within months of Bill. He's only like six months older than me. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah it's cutting talking, real close. We're talking about I'm exactly just, like a I'm teasing. I'm teasing. So okay, then let's put it this way: we're all in agreement that they're going to draft a quarterback. Yes. Yes. Okay. Do you guys in, in the, the first round or in, in the first round? In the first period. Round. No, they're going to take a quarterback in the first round. In the first round. Okay. In the f- okay. First or second. First uh, or second. With, with one of our Ryan first. Patrick, uh, November twenty fourth, nineteen eighty two. So he's actually thirty. Oh wow. He's nice. What? No, he's not. Yeah. No. Thirty. No, 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 no. no. November twenty fourth, nineteen eighty two. That's not right. Well, no, look, that's not right. Wikipedia I'm telling you, is a source of all information. Go to his actual Wikipedia page. I'm telling you, that's not right. Well, why would it be? This is some great pod. He, you know, the funny thing is he probably put it in there. Like he's nah, you're like, probably right. No, that is it. right. Okay. But anyhow, okay. Well, all right. He's, right. He's, he's older than me. Um, okay. So I'll put it to you. With, within the first 41 picks, the Bills will have taken a quarterback. Let's just put it that way. Sure. Who, who are the top three guys in order that you would want the Bills to take? Nassib, Barkley. No, I have no no idea who anyone else is. Okay. Something other than a quarterback in the first round? Nope, it's got to be a quarterback. Here are your top three quarterbacks. They will take a quarterback in the first 41 picks. I guarantee. I mean, that's – I will bet – I will bet this house that we're sitting in that they will do that. His new house. <laughs> Thank you. Very expensive. Anyone ever see Doug? <laughs> Doug? Yeah, the movie or the uh, show Doug? Yeah. <laughs> do, 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 yeah, but who's, who's our... Oh, it was the neighbor. Roger, yeah. Well, yeah. Very, very expensive. What was his name, though? Mr. Mr. Klutz. No, Roger Klutz was the bully. Oh. What the hell was his name? Yeah, he always had, like, the gadgets and things. He was yeah. kind of like... Was it Skeeter's dad or no? No, Skeeter didn't have a dad. Yeah, but this guy no, was also blue. But Roger didn't have a dad. Obviously. Roger Klutz was raised by a single mom who yeah. won the lottery. He's a bully. Okay. So Roger Clutz's mom won the lottery? Yeah, that was an episode. He became super rich. I mean... Look that. Mr. We, Dink. Mr. Dink! <laughs> <laughs> we we move down and we pick up... Or we move down and we get Geno Smith. Three names, Cass. Three names. Who are the top three quarterbacks you would want Barkley. to see? Okay. I like him. Massive. Player to be named at some other time. Okay, so you guys are really following the draft. I take it. Okay, mine, mine are Barkley, number one. I think, and I take, I say Barkley because I think he's the safest pick. People say about his arm strength. Like I've seen him throw. Was the last USC quarterback that was actually. Oh good. please, Carson Palmer. 
And that was that was within the last decade. Where is he now? <laughs> yeah, he gets knee blown out by a cheap shot by a by a Steelers lineman. Um, Barkley's number one for me. Nassib, or no, excuse me, EJ Manuel is number two, and I'm going with Nassib for number three. I go stability, upside, stability, hmm. for different reasons. Kevin Cole. Kevin Cole. Okay. <laughs> you want? Who do you want? Okay, then if not a quarterback, who do you think is better at number eight? Are you are you in the Dion Jordan camp? Uh, you know, I, to be honest, this year I haven't been following. I mean, last year I knew the draft like player by player by player. This is making a great pod. This year I haven't. So, so was Stephon Gilmore your pick last year? Yeah, I will. No, I mean I was shocked at him, but I liked him. His girlfriend, fiance, dressed really nicely. Oh, by the way, uh, Bill and I were privy to his number change before anybody else. Ooh. Thanks to Jam and Jeff Day, who's not with us. That's true. Uh, do you know that there will be video cameras in the Buffalo Bills draft room this year? Yes, I did know that, and I will be enjoying that without being able to hear the sound at a rehearsal dinner. I'm very excited. Okay, so uh, everyone here is pretty jazzed about the draft, it seems. Okay, so long story short, we're going to get a quarterback. We'll see what happens. Who knows? Uh, We'll be back later to talk about all this stuff, obviously. We'll be back once the dust settles for preseason. You can catch me... Uh, the week after the draft on Coach Sal's podcast, uh, representing the Bills, Backers, and Bills and Beers at Large. Uh, so listen to that if you don't already catch his show. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but, okay, so we kind of sputtered out there at the end. Too bad we lost that great six minutes in the middle. Uh, there's just so much to talk about with this team. Uh, again, we're in, we find ourselves once again in a transitionary period. I'm feeling great about this team. Uh, I'm, I'm only going to feel better once the draft is over. Uh, if this team can get through training camp and the preseason healthy, I will be predicting 12-4 and four at the absolute worst. You know what? I'm going to make a prediction. This might be bold, but I'm pretty confident that no matter what, this Buffalo Bills season will be full of beautiful, Buffalo wings and a lot of the bad blue. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that we can rely on. Okay, well, without further ado, and until later this summer, go Bills. The Bills make me wanna. Shout!